Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next 30 minutes, I'd like to extend an invitation for you to please stay tuned. It's going to be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, a whole lot of education, and and no manipulation, no hidden agendas, no appeals for money, not trying to get you to join up, fess up, give it up, nothing like that. This show, The Flight Line, is simply about understanding God's plan for your life, verifying and identifying God's plan. And if you want to orient and adjust to the plan, well, you always have the freedom of the privacy to do that. But this show, The Flight Line, is about learning God's unique problem-solving devices. Coming to understand those 10 unique problem-solving devices that will help you stop the outside source of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress. Because as humans, adversity is inevitable. But stress is always optional because it's what we do to ourselves. Adversity is what the circumstances do to us, and stress is what we do to ourselves. We do not have to be stressed out. There is a better way to live. It's called the Christian life. It is the most unique life the world has ever seen. If it's lived right, if it's presented right and talked about right, people are intrigued with it. Unfortunately, today, in today's media, too many people make Christians out to be weirdos. They use pejorative terms to describe those that bunch of Bible-believing weirdos. And unfortunately, sometimes Christians do act like weirdos. We're not ever authorized to try to straighten anybody out. People's sin has been paid for. What we're authorized to do is to lift up Jesus Christ, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so that Christ can draw all men to himself. And so there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on today in the name of Christianity. I even read about some guy the other day, and uh, you're going to find this funny. I thought it not only funny, but pitiful. But some guy the other day at a church in a city, a major city in America, that was going to take his bed up on top of his church roof, and he and his wife were going to stay in the bed for a certain amount of time and uh, promote their book, Something About Sexuality in the Christian Life. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard of? Gimmicks and games is what the church has come to today. There are no gimmicks and games here, simply the Word of God. My job is simply to give you that accurate information. Your job is to seek it out, to learn it, to apply it into your life. I'm not a pastor. I don't pastor a church. I'm like a window that you open and maybe, hopefully, a breath of fresh air comes in. But if you're hungry, if you want to know more, there are places to get it. There are great men who are great pastors who have been in the ministry for years, who study and teach consistently. And their messages are available to you free of charge. They don't sell it. They teach it. They study it. They proclaim it. And they are great people. And you can find them on the Internet. I can even recommend a few of them to you. But uh, I'm not a pastor. But I'm here to encourage you. If you're learning things, if you're learning things you've never heard before, you're beginning to see things in a different light, then hopefully you're picking up divine viewpoint. Not human viewpoint, divine viewpoint. You're beginning to see things from a divine perspective. 
Hopefully, you're beginning to live your life in the light of eternity, not related to what goes on here. Even though you are here for the time being, the Bible says you're just a a sojourner, just a pilgrim. You're just passing through. Your home is in Uranos, as the Bible proclaims it, in the Greek New Testament, which is our word, heaven. Your home is in heaven. And there you will be as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, in a resurrection body. And you will have no more tear, no more sorrow, no more pain. The old things will be passed away. No one ever goes to heaven and comes back and sells a book about it. So the first thing you need to remember, if some weirdo said, I died and went to heaven and and I wrote a book about it, and for 1995, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you can buy my book. I don't care if it's a little kid or a grown-up. It's not true. Paul the Apostle went to heaven, and Paul the Apostle was allowed by God to come back, and God said, don't write about what you saw. It's amazing if God wouldn't let Paul write about it that other people claim they can write about it. Listen to me and listen carefully. There are many gimmicks and games to get your money, to get your attention, to try to pull you into something. Satan is a genius at using counterfeit information. The information you need is found within the pages of the Scripture. And the Bible says, Cursed is any man who tries to add to it or take away from it. And what we all need are qualified pastors that will teach us the pages of the Scripture. Men who will that will dedicate their lives to study and teaching the Word of God so that we don't get confused, so that we don't misunderstand, misapply the information. Lord knows there's so much of that going on. Remember the Bible verse that says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing, rightly dividing, that word is where we get our word orthodontist who straightens out your teeth or an orthopedics that may straighten out your child's legs to make straight, to walk straight. If God warns us not to get it confused, but to get it straight, then obviously we can get it confused. We can get it mixed up. And most of the time it happens when you let your emotions enter in and you begin to play with a Christian life in terms of emotion. You are never, you are never told to live your Christian life based on what you feel. You are told to live your Christian life based on faith. And that comes from, faith comes by hearing, and hearing, according to the scriptures, hearing the word of God. The more the word of God you know, the more faith you have, if you believe it. And so the faith, your faith is built on the word of God circulating in your stream of consciousness to where you've heard it, you've learned it, and you've applied it into your life, and now you're growing, and you're not subject to being captured by some gimmick, some preacher selling a gimmick or selling a book or telling you it's free, but you can pay nineteen ninety five for the handling and shipping. In our show, when we say we have free books to give away, that's exactly what we mean, free. Nothing's nothing. We charge nothing. That's not the issue, but we don't. I mean, it's free. If you want any book we have, you simply write and say, I want that book on Christian problem solving, or I want your book Understanding Your Soul, or I want your book Practicing Your Christianity, and it's sent the next day free with nothing to follow up, not put on a mailing list. See, we don't play those games. 
We know that we got it free, we give it away free. And that's what this show is about. When you understand that, when you begin to understand how the plan of God works for your life, then you have a happiness that other people don't have. And the reason is the monkey's off your back. You don't have to worry about hustling up anything anymore. When I became a new Christian and when I went into the ministry, I was told that, that I had to hustle up finances. I was told that I had to go out and find people that would support me and contribute to me. And I should go knock on doors and ask them, would they support me for the year? or Would they pledge to give to me? And I never felt comfortable about that. And finally, I met a pastor who taught it to me correctly. And he said these words, if God's in it, God will pay for it. You don't have to hustle up the money. And that's always been true to this day. We broadcast in a lot of radio markets, and we pay for the time that we get. It's not free. And I wouldn't be talking to you today if God hadn't paid for it. He pays for it. And we don't hustle up money. Now, enough about that. Let's go on to happiness. You know, I did a show last week about happiness. And it's one of the ten unique problem-solving devices. And I want to continue that show today. I want to continue to talk to you about the real happiness that is a problem-solving device. I don't know if you remember the other eight problem-solving devices that I've told you about. And I don't know if you ever wrote and got the book, Christian Problem Solving, that lists all of them. They are nothing new. This is not some new discovery. It's simply a new terminology. It's a way of saying some old doctrines you've heard all your life, but putting in a package so that you can understand how the Christian life operates. The first problem-solving device we have is rebound. Rebound. Say, what is that? That's you confessing your sin to God. As per 1 John 1, 9, because the greatest problem you and I have is our personal sin. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's in 1 John chapter 5. Excuse me, it's in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, or 8. And it goes on to say, but if we will confess our sin, then he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. We sin every day. Some people think they don't because they don't drink, they don't dance, they don't smoke, they don't cheat on their taxes, you know, so they think they don't sin. But don't forget that sin can be something you think as well as something you say And it can be something that you do. Mental attitude sins can include worry, can include fear, can include bitterness and jealousy, hostility. These are mental attitude sins. So if you have a weird, obnoxious neighbor that you don't particularly care for, and you can't stand him, and every time you walk out in the backyard, there he is trimming the hedges or painting the fence or doing something obnoxious, and you vibrate and cross your eyes and steam comes out of your ears, you're sinning. You're not allowed to do that. The Bible says you got to love that guy. Now, that sounds impossible. How can you love a weird, obnoxious jerk? How can you do that? But after all, didn't God do that for you? Didn't he love you when you were a little weird and obnoxious? Isn't that what the Bible says, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved you way before you became sane. God loved you when you were still weird. So how can you love that neighbor? You use the problem-solving device called impersonal love. Impersonal love 
is a functional virtue in the Christian's life. That means you're able to love that person based on who you are, not based on who he is. And that's what God did for you. He loved you based on his character, not yours. Personal love for God is a motivational virtue. That is what motivates you to live the Christian life. And that's why John wrote in 1 John 5, 3, if we love him, we will obey him and his mandates are not grievous. It's pretty simple. Personal love for God, problem-solving device. Impersonal love for others, problem-solving device. If you're using impersonal love, you don't have any problems with weird people. If you're using personal love for God, you don't have any problem with your motivation to obey God and stay out of sin. When the Bible says don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies any longer, there's a reason for that. Because when you sin and you don't rebound that sin, you quench and grieve the Holy Spirit even from the moment you commit the sin. And the end result is your spiritual life stops. You're not growing. You're going backwards. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. You didn't lose your salvation. But you are out of fellowship with God until you rebound and resume your spiritual life. The problem-solving device that we've been talking about last week is the problem-solving device of happiness, plus H, sharing the happiness of God. And I told you that plus H is opposite of neutral H. Neutral H is the happiness that the world offers to you. A new car, a new home, a new this, a new that. They wear off. They don't sustain you. They don't last. They're related to your emotions, and you have great appreciation when you get it. But when the payment comes around, it's not too much fun then, is it? But the kind of happiness that I'm talking about is the plus H. It's the kind of happiness that our Lord had even though he went to the cross and suffered the indignity of the cross, the shame of the cross, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the Bible says. Does that mean that Jesus was having a good time on the cross? No. No, it wasn't having a good time. But I can tell you this. There is no greater joy in this world than fulfilling the plan of God for your life. And our Lord was doing exactly why what he came to do, and that was to pay for our sin, and that was a joy. He had gotten to the cross where he was destined to go to begin with. And part of the reason you may not be happy today is you have not ever caught up with the plan of God for your life. You've never fulfilled the plan of God for your life. You've been wandering down the my way highway and you found out like everyone else found out that it's a dead end street now what do you do well hopefully hopefully you'll confess your sin to god you'll confess your arrogance to god i've had to do it myself on many occasions because i've been an arrogant jerk a lot of times myself and i have to go and admit to my father what an idiot i was to ever have done that and It's embarrassing to admit that we failed, but God loves us. He never turns his back on us. Maybe we turn our back on him, but he never turns his back on you. He never has. He just loves you from behind. And like an earthly father, when you turn and you come into your heavenly father's arms and admit your sin, he restores your fellowship. This plus H. This wonderful happiness that I'm talking about is an insulation from fear in your life. 
It's an insulation from arrogance in your life. It's an insulation from being occupied with self, self-absorbed. It's a wonderful way to live. Job, put it this way in Job 5.17, and I'm going to read out of the Net Bible, translation called the Net Bible. Therefore, happiness, that's plus H, sharing the happiness of God, happiness belongs to the man whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Now, if God did not discipline us, we would self-destruct. And that's not a very happy feeling. So sometimes when God has to lower the hammer, because we sinned and we did not rebound our sin, we didn't confess that sin, we just tooled on down the road like nothing ever happened, and we compounded our sins with one sin on top of the other sin, and God has to lower the hammer, it's all designed to make you happy. What do you mean? It's going to keep you from self-destructing keep you from destroying yourself or maybe even your family, ruining things. And God can and will discipline you. Listen to it as I read it. For he wounds, but he also bandages. He strikes, but his hand also heals. He will deliver you from six calamities, and yea, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In time of famine, he will redeem you from death. And in time of war from the power of the sword, you will be protected from malicious gossip and will not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine and need not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. And you will come to your grave in full age as sacks of grain are harvested in their season. That's what it means to fulfill your destiny as a Christian. That's what it means to live the unique Christian life and come to the end of the road. You see, when you have this sort of plus H, this sort of happiness, it's a monopoly that only belongs to spiritually mature believers. That sort of plus H is a monopoly that belongs to spiritually mature believers because they're not looking at circumstances. They're not looking at people. They haven't based their happiness on that. They have based their happiness on what God says. They have committed their path to the Lord. They are confident that he's watching over them. They are confident that he has a plan for their life, and they're not running around trying to hustle up some some sort of fun to entertain themselves. Nothing wrong with having fun. Nothing wrong with entertaining yourself. But you have to realize that that sort of happiness doesn't endure under suffering. The kind of happiness that I'm talking about, even under suffering, you maintain this great joy. The believers that have this sort of plus H, they can be consistent in their Christian life. They can concentrate on the Word of God. But if they don't have it, Well, they'll never concentrate long enough to learn the system. And the reason is because they're so easily distracted, easily discouraged, because they didn't get what they wanted or what they wanted they got, and it didn't give them what they thought it would give them. But the happiness found in Christ, the plus H, the kind of happiness that he had that you should have. First John 1, 4 says, We write these things that our joy may be brought to completion. 
That's the plus H. It comes through the communication of the Word of God. It comes by means of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And it is a process which has to be completed. I cannot tell you how many people that I've met that have become supremely happy. And you know why? Because they found the Word of God. They found God's plan for their life. They found a joy that they did not even know existed And that's the joy from having fellowship with God, growing in grace, giving them a clear conscience, a clear direction, giving them stability in the worst environment. That's what Plus H does. Sharing the happiness of God can be defined as the happiness in the humanity of Jesus Christ during his time on earth, even though he faced tremendous opposition. It's this sort of divine happiness resident in the soul of the believer that causes people to say what Paul said in Philippians 1.21. For me, living is Christ, and dying is profit. Now, that's happiness. Living is Christ, dying is profit. The relationship between our Lord's plus H, the sort of happiness that he had, and the sort of happiness that you and I should have, that's seen in John fifteen eleven. Here are the words of our Lord. I have taught you these things in order that my happiness may be in you, and that your happiness may be completed. You see, the Lord had been teaching an interesting thing about the vine and the branches. And he made a key statement. He said, If I abide in if you abide in me and my word abide in you, And if you keep my mandates, you will abide in my love. That's the key to happiness. Perfect happiness is always related to the grace policy of God. Listen to what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 31, 7. I will rejoice and be happy in the provisions of your grace. Now, what does that mean? Well, you're saved by grace, so you should be happy about that because you couldn't pay for it. You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It was a free gift to God, from God to you. And you live by grace. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you a canon of scripture. He gave you a spiritual gift. He gave you a Bible. He gave you a pastor. These are all free gifts for you so that you can maneuver in the devil's world. And you know what? When this life is up and over, he's got even something greater for you. And it's all grace surpassing grace this sort of happiness that we have and we develop it as we grow we go through different things sometimes we go through suffering to test us and it teaches us to be autonomous to be spiritually autonomous and all suffering is not designed for blessing remember god said he wouldn't put more on you than you could stand but these are times of testing we go through and they refine us And our happiness becomes stronger. We go through testing and we reach spiritual maturity. We go through some sort of evidence testing as believers. That's the kind of happiness we're looking for where, where we don't fall apart and, and we don't have our pity party and we're committed. Our eyes are looking to Jesus Christ and we're driving forward. We don't let the world steal our happiness. We don't let Satan infringe on our happiness. You know, it's the one thing you can take with you when you die. Because that perfect happiness 
will always reside in your soul. You know, a lot of people say, and I've heard it, you've heard it too, I'm so happy. And what we really are talking about are the circumstances that please us. But no matter what you have, you're going to want more. There's always something more that you want. Accumulating more and more doesn't make us happy, and it doesn't make us content. All of us have hobbies. Some of us do, and we add things in our hobby. And I've seen on TV, I've even seen it in my own life, where I I get things that I don't need, and I wind up having more than I need, but I'm not any more happy then than I was before I got it. It's not my happiness, and, and your happiness is not related to the details of life. Accumulating more and more is not going to make us happy. It's a status quo that we live in. That status quo doesn't look over the horizon and want more. That status quo is like Paul said in Philippians 4.10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. This is when Paul was sustained by the gifts from various believers that took care of him while he was under house arrest. Epaphroditus delivered that gift, and he was under house arrest for his teaching of the word of God and the opposition that he confronted. And then he says this, listen carefully, not that I speak in regards to need because I have learned that whatever state I'm in to be content, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the kind of happiness that I'm talking about. That's the kind of happiness that doesn't look at the details of life. That's the kind of happiness that will sustain you through adversity. It is a self-contained happiness that is not a slave to a system or dependency on some item. A lot of times all that stuff is as a narcotic to deaden the pain of an empty life. We are responsible for our own happiness. Nothing outside of us is responsible to make us happy. We are responsible. As we learn the word of God, as we apply the word of God, as we move in God's plan in our life, that companion, that constant companion, is the plus H that allows us to rise above the circumstances that we face that allows us to focus on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and not be discouraged in spite of what may hit us. What a wonderful way to live, to have that tranquility of soul, to have that contentment in our soul, to have the tremendous capacity for life and love. And it all comes by you learning how to use the problem-solving devices, you orienting and adjusting to God's plan for your life, and you becoming the man or the woman that God intended for you to be all along. I sure hope this is making sense. I hope it's clicking, and I hope you'll be back next week to join me. Until then, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for being with me today on The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054.
or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.